Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This time on Open Door Policy, we sit down with James Wilson, a young adult seeking to build community in the Catholic Church and to share his love of hedgehogs. All right, Danielle, James, how are you guys? Super good. Fantastic. Uh, Danielle, you got any uh, grace the Lord's been working in your life recently? Dude, God's been doing so many big graces. But the one that I'll say, which is like a massive one, is he's invited me in a special way to walk the community Santiago this summer, full thing. The full thing? Full thing, over 500 miles. How long? Uh, it'll take Time me, was? uh, it'll take about 33 days. All right. The so. amount of years Jesus walked on this earth. <laughs> I can <laughs> contemplate one year every day I walk. So speaking of graces, a grace for us is to have James Wilson here with us. James, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be here. James named after the saint, Santiago. Yes. Santiago. Yes. Oh, fun fact though. Okay. I was almost a Seamus. So <laughs> my, I'm actually related to, uh, St. Charbel. Yeah. Okay. My family's like very mildly Lebanese. We're like Sabra Hummus Lebanese, you know, not, <laughs> not, not legit, but. I, did, uh, I didn't know what that meant. But. Yeah. So uh, legit enough though to have St. Charbel be a family member. And so my middle name is Charbel, but my parents were like, you know, we name, we want to name him James, but we're Irish too. So maybe we should call him Seamus, but uh, Seamus Charbel just didn't, <laughs> didn't, sound, didn't, didn't, didn't sound right. Didn't sound didn't right. Come, <laughs> right. What's your middle name? Uh, Andrew. Oh, cool. Okay. So let's jump into <laughs> rapid fire questions. You ready, James? I'm ready. Number one, what is your most used emoji? Um, probably the crying face, like streaming tears crying face. All right. What would your walk-up music be? Something really like melodramatic. What is your favorite piece of religious art? I'm a big fan of the Pieta. What do you think is overrated? Most TV shows that people talk about. Yeah. Super true. Yeah. Uh, James, what literary character would you want to be friends with? Gandalf would be pretty cool. Gandalf from Harry Potter? Yeah. No, that's no. from okay, Lord sorry. of the Rings, you yeah, rascal. Sorry. What is your favorite hymn? Madre Fiducia Nostra, that's what it's called. Great. Yeah. Um, what season would you be? 100% August. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? That your life is your own and you have to own it. Like, yeah. Choose. You have the choices. Okay. What's your favorite Bible story? Big fan of the prodigal son. Hmm. Great. And what non-traditional pet would you want to have? Although I think it's getting a little more mainstream, but hedgehog is pretty cool. Okay. They're super cute. Yeah. You could have picked a hedgehog for your favorite literary character. Did you ever read the books about Francis when you were kids? Francis, Francis? No, no, Francis is like a little hedgehog girl. No. Anyway. No, I read The Toad and the Frog. The Frog and Toad? Yeah. Frog and Toad. Yeah, yeah those are good. Oh, that's a great book. Why, why a hedgehog, James? Uh... Because they are cute. 
I don't even yeah. know what they look like. They're 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 pretty like baby hedgehogs. It's it's kind of like one of those like viral video things. You know, okay. you see all these baby hedgehogs everywhere. And people... Like on a leash? With no, 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 no. They just kind of sit there and you They're pet like them. the size of my guinea pig. Okay. Like smaller and spikier. Yeah. Pet hedgehogs are quiet, entertaining, and low maintenance. They are nocturnal, making them perfect pets for people with nine to five jobs. So tell me about this Italian song. Uh, so Maria Fedor, what is it? Madre Fiducia Nostra, which Madre is like, Fiducia. Fiducia. <laughs> 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 it's just like really, it's spoke to me like in a lot of different parts of my life when I was, you know, just really feeling Mary as my mother and really kind of needing her as my mother. But there's also some, some really beautiful harmonies in it and like counterpoint and all sorts of stuff. So, um, it's by this, actually this Italian composer, Monsignor dude, who wrote a lot of like the World Youth Day songs and he does oh. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, so this is like a modern hit. Yes, this is this is a modern thing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Crying face emoji? Mm. Do you use that a lot? Yeah, not a lot. But I use it in conjunction in, with the hard eyes. You you use it like happy happy tears. That's right? what I use Danielle? it for. Yeah, yeah I'm more of a, I'm more of a gif guy. Okay. Ah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Do you have a favorite gif? No, no favorite. You got to find the right one for the moment. Yeah, so yeah. accurate, so yeah. accurate. And best piece of advice you've ever been given. You said your life is your own. You have to own it. Do you remember who told you that? It was actually a priest friend. Okay. Um, and just kind of you know, whatever normal struggles in life, and and realizing like no one is going to like whether it's sanctity or like what path you want to take or you know big decisions like your life, God gives you that freedom, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to force anything. Um, nobody else can really make the decisions, the toughest decisions in life for you. Like it's, it's you and you have the power to embrace that. And that freedom is like, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? And that it's, it's something beautiful, but it can also be, you know, if you don't use it, it can be really, you know, dehumanizing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for these answers and for your presence with us. Oh, yeah. James. Yes. Would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about how God has been working in your life? Sure. Sure, yeah. So um, years back, so I, I graduated high school in 2005. What up? Yeah, good Best year. year. You guys good are both year. class of 05. Right? Yeah, we were. We, are. Wow. Yep. we graduated together. Kids. Just Kids. kidding. James went to an all-boys school. Mere children. <laughs> so uh, graduated in 2005 and actually joined a religious order right out of high school, um, Le- Legionaries of Christ. I was, uh, so spent a couple years in Connecticut, um, then moved on to Italy, to Rome, then back to, moved to DC and did a bunch of years of ministry. So all told and spent 11 years there before things kind of changed course and uh, ended up, you know, moving back to Detroit, leaving the congregation um, and was kind of like, well, what the heck do I do with my life? You know, coming on 29, like, mm-hmm. you know, no career really to, to say. And so like kind of starting over in a lot of ways. Really? Yeah. Starting over and trying to figure out knowing that like the things that drove me there were real and, yeah. you know, God was actually leading me there. But then, you know, now what, what does that mean? Right. Um, so came back to Michigan and eventually made my way back out to DC where I had done ministry. Um, a priest friend 
who was a pastor there, had a school, invited me to come teach in their school. So moved out there, didn't really, like the crowd that I knew when I lived out there was totally different crowd. Um, And I found like myself placed in this community of people really providentially. Like one of my friends invited me to a party and I met a guy there. I was looking for a place to live. And he's like, hey, we have like, we have a house with like six guys, but one guy just moved out. You know, we try to be like a source of Catholic culture in the area and just like to host a lot of things. So I kind of ended up in this, in this house with a bunch of other Catholic guys in their, you know, mid twenties who were all about like building community. Right. And, uh, they had this whole big friend group. So it was this incredible experience of just like plopping down, parachuting into this place and instantly being connected to this group of people who all live their faith seriously. People lived close together is in kind of by the Catholic university area. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're familiar, like, yeah, they call it little Rome because it's so Catholic, yeah. so many Catholic institutions. So the street I lived on two doors down, there were, um, there was a convent and they had like an adoration chapel. Oh, wow. There, there were literally on my two block street, there were like six religious orders. Wow. And then at the end of the street was a Franciscan. So this was like, of the Holy Land. like yeah. transition light, L-I-T-E. Right. Yeah. No, no, I mean, it was legit. It yeah. was legit. But um, basically though, there was a lot of like Catholic life there. Yeah. And so uh, just found myself in that and realized the beauty of like, wow, this is like normal life, people sharing their lives with each other and, um, but also like actually living, you know, mm-hmm. not just, it extended beyond the church, right? Um, beyond mass or the social and coffee donuts, whatever, like people were living their lives together and, you know, socializing together and, you know, throwing parties together. So we, we would host these monthly open houses where, you know, like live music and just anybody and everybody come on and, you know, bring a drink and bring some food and just have, have fun. So that I also realized there that like those gifts that I, like the things that I had experienced in a religious order, like the community life and, um, kind of the life of prayer, uh, being a missionary and everything you do, like really owning that as an identity that that mm-hmm. translated as well into, actually really being able to bring people together and like, um, you know, help validate people and accompany people and not in like a super intentional, like, let me spend some time with you and accompany you sort of thing, but like in a very just natural way. Like organic. Organic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I kind of discovered that gift and that I really loved bringing people together and, you know, just kind of mentoring in a way I was teaching. So like discovering that the Lord was working kind of in me there to, to, uh, yeah, to really touch others. Were you teaching high school or middle Middle school? school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school. But so that, that was just a like semester job felt like I was supposed to move back to Detroit. So moved back here and then decided, you know what, that experience that I had of like living with people in an intentional way, having, being like a source of Catholic culture or source, just kind of like an open door, ha. Open door policy. <laughs> wow, you know? that's Dang, a pretty cool thanks, title. James. <laughs> Shout out. Um, where people could just stop in and know that they would be welcome. Like, I wanted to do that here. So was trying to find a couple guys that could live with. And we eventually found a house in downtown Royal Oak, really central and mm-hmm. really providentially ended up being 
just a couple blocks away from St. Mary's there in Royal Oak. And I think it was, so God was really working to bring a bunch of people together um, right there in Royal Oak with St. Mary's where Father Paul, awesome priest, yeah. really has a heart for others, really has a heart for, for young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but like also like a solid devotional life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, this is, this is real. Like, and the one thing with Father Paul is that, you know, when you uh, have any sort of, you know, encounter with him that like, that he actually cares about you. So like the first at Christmas time, like he, last Christmas and this Christmas, like he brought us a, a gift basket, you know, he's like, I, and picked out different things for each one of us that lived in the house that he knew we would like. It's like, what, what pastor brings their, you know, parishioners a gift That's basket? Awesome. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is, um, when he prays, like, like I can tell that he has tailored the prayers of the faithful, like to what I have yeah. told him about my life. I'm like, this is something I'm going through. And he's like, like this the next, little too personal the, the next day at mass, he'll be like, for those who are encountering problems, like the problems I named yesterday, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're praying I. for me. Poor <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. But like, right. but it's actually like super beautiful to be like, oh, wow. You're so attuned to like me that you're still praying for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're living in this house. Living try, in this house. Trying to build up this Catholic community. Yeah. And so we actually, Danielle and I coordinated and uh, with Blessed Solanus. So in the Solanus, Casey, the beatification day, we were like, we should throw a major blowout. Oh, dude, I bash. forgot about that. So. And you brewed a porter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it was. It. So we had like a soup because of the soup kitchen. So we had right. a soup and like monk brewery, you know, monk brewed beer yeah. party and just kind of open house and so, had like... So this is the this after is like, the beatification. This is after the beatification. Casey in November of 2017. November 2017. Mm-hmm. And through this kind of open house party and had like, you know, 85 young adults show up and just kind of a lot of people who didn't know each other. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people like, you know, met each other for the first time. Actually, so uh, there is now an engaged couple that met <gasps> that night at our wow. party. So we claim All one right. engaged couple at least. Uh, yeah, so just like finding that people are looking for a place where they can encounter new people, encounter people that are like them um, in a lot of ways, or share ideals. And then also, I mean, there's always people on the fringes, right? But um, having a place of community and encounter and that really has been over the past couple of years, past two years, we've kind of made it almost like an institution. So mm-hmm. we, we call our house the quad because there's four of us there. Actually, I think maybe Father, reviews. maybe Father Steve came up with that, that name. You may have been really? the guy. I don't think I did. Did I? Well, we had a name, we had a house naming party and I think you came up with the name. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Credit. Sure. Well, if not, I'll yeah. take it. The, the legend is now, yeah. <laughs> is now created. <laughs> If one of our listeners is the actual uh, or wants to dispute who came up with the name, then you're welcome Tweet to at do us. so. Yeah. Yeah. So we try and host something about once a month, um, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Yeah. And uh, just bring people together. And it's not like, hey, let's all sit together and pray the rosary stuff. It's it's much more like 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 celebratory. Yes. And not to say the rosary is not celebratory, but... Wow. Right. right. Ah, sorry. It came out a little wrong. <laughs> we actually turned our basement into a... We call it the catacombs. It's little... You know, Royal Oak has a lot of nightclubs. So this is a different type of nightclub. But yeah, we have a fog machine down there and disco lights and has... We've had a DJ spinning spin some tunes a couple times. It's... Yeah. 
Yeah, Jason over one time, I remember yeah, being yeah. there, uh, spinning tunes. What uh, what has that done for you, James, having that kind of Catholic culture and being able to see kind of the fruit of what the Lord's doing in your life? Uh, I mean, that how does that... How does that affect you? So I think, I think it's a val- it's been a validation for me of um, just how the Lord wants to work in my life of some of the gifts that he's given me or the, the desires in my heart of like really wanting to be a man for others, um, yeah. you know, accompanying people. So that's, that's one way that it's helped in just validating of gifts, but then also, um, building community, like when you deepen in friendship with others and are able to build these friendships, it's in a way it's kind of self-serving because like friends are there for you, right? Like they support you. They, you know, give you wisdom and insight, encouragement, prayers. So it's really helped me just find identity and place and love, receive love, learn how to receive love. I, what I what I'm hearing is, or what I think God has done, part of it is like all the stuff you learned in religious life, which wasn't the Lord's call for you, were gifts that He kind of helped cultivate or you know helped grow in you that are now bearing fruit in this other way of your life, and other people are kind of receiving um, God's graces through those gifts as well. Uh, yeah, and that's no, really cool to hear. Thanks, James. Oh yeah. Hey, friends, do you guys want to talk about Marker 3.1, the communion of the church? Um, How about yes? How about yes? How about yes? How about in your... Well, I'm going to start a new way of doing this. I'm going to ask you a question, Father Steve. What? Yes. Okay. Okay. Be open to the new ways that the Holy Spirit is working. I'm open to Uh, new things. Okay, good. Christ makes all things new. Um, Like in your life and James' life too, in my life too, are there ways that you feel that the community around you has like helped you in your faith, spoken to you, given you a word of encouragement, um, like kind of made you feel like I couldn't do this alone? One of the things I think back on when I was in seminary doing a 30-day silent retreat, um, if we uh, doing that with my other seminarian kind of classmates and thinking how intimidated I was to do it on my own and then seeing like the guys who... You know, I'd been in seminary with for a number of years and just knowing like, okay, they're in this too. We can do this together. Um, that was a huge source for me. I go, I often go back to that, that like what I thought I could never do on my own, I can do if I'm part of a community. Which is interesting because silent retreat is like completely silent. Like you, you're not it talking to these guys. 30 days of like talking to my spiritual director for one hour a day and that's it. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we didn't talk at all. But in fact, we didn't make eye contact. We didn't like laugh at stuff or or pass notes or anything like that. But just being in that together was so critical. And I've heard that like, like because I went on silent retreat um, once, <laughs> and it was a great time. No, I was actually twice. But um, it was really interesting because the priest said it's interesting how close you grow to everyone who you're on silent retreat with because you're on like this spiritual journey with them, even Mm -hmm. though you never talk to them. And after we broke silence, all these people were like, 
we feel like we know you so well. And I was like, how? You heard the one who sniffles in the chapel. Yeah. <laughs> you pick up on the little things. Right. Yeah. So the trick to community is to be silent with each other, to never talk, right? Oh, right. Is that, is that, is that marker 3.1? I don't know. No. I thought it was interesting what you said, James. Um, I think there's an interesting balance of like organic and intentionality, right? Because you guys have made a decision to like, okay, once every month, once every two months, we're going to throw down, right? Like that. And right. that takes like, okay, we have to clean the house. This person has to make snacks. Like we, we have, we have had sushi together and made like a list of what we need for a party. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, there's that interesting balance of intentionality and like just organic growth. What's your vibe on that? Right. Well, so like, I also don't want to make it, you know, painted as this, like, we are so, you know, discipling and everything we do with this, you know, with this house or with our parties, like it's easy to just, and I feel like this is kind of a danger, you know, with the word community too, is that like, it can be a buzzword, you know, sure, yeah. community evangelization, like these things, but what is, what does it actually mean? And so like for us, it, a lot of times, you know, like throwing a party, if you're just thinking about, well, I want to have a good time or like right. bringing people together, there is a huge value in that. Like, people don't have connectedness. You know, people don't have, like you ask, who are your close friends? Who can you open up to? A lot of people don't have that. And, you know, kind of in the millennial and speaking kind of of my own experience, and I know it's not like, it's not universal, but I also know it's not totally unique, but um, a lot of people moving in, moving out, right? disconnected. And like, who do I connect with? How do I find people? How do I make these friends? So just having a human place of encounter is great. You know, if, if you could make it more like, okay, well, how do we evangelize through this? I think that, I think that's sort of a later stage in a way, like people need to be part of a group. People need to know their identity and know their place within the church community, within a social community to be able to put out those roots spiritually and like be able to even be open to receiving the Lord's love. Yeah. That's such a need now, right? You talk about millennials and um, I know we've talked about social media before, how that can be fracturing. It can bring people together, but it can also be fracturing, right? How many people do you see like with earphones in or headphones on or, or AirPods uh, in like everywhere you go now, right? And I mean, I do it too, so I'm not mm -hmm. casting yeah. stones, but like the way we get fractured from being in communion with each other. I love this line in Marker 3.1 where uh, the Archbishop writes, God relates to his people, not as isolated individuals, but as a people, a family united with one another in deep bonds of love. And I think about, you know, one of the books I read uh, from uh, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, before he became, no, after he became Pope, his Jesus of Nazareth book, where he talks right. about the Our Father, and he says, we can't call God Father unless we call him Our Father, mm -hmm. right? Like, he can't be my Father unless he's your Father as well. And just that sense of community that allows us to enter into relationship with God, I find, like, <laughs> so, like it pulls at the hunger of my heart to have people I can share my life with, people I can be vulnerable and open with, and people who can do that with me as well. And it, that's how God relates to us, not as isolated individuals, but he calls us to be members of his church, and he calls us to be members of the body of Christ. And I think a large part of that too is how, like, 
like different people have the different gifts as well and different insights as well. So like, I mean, like we all kind of love throwing parties, but you, you have different friends than I do. And the way you, the way you like the way you entertain and host is different than the way I do it. And then there's a different element too, because I mean, like the other thing too, that's beautiful about like your home is y'all are at daily mass. Y'all are mm-hmm. at adoration um, at six thirty in the morning, and so um, it's there's like it's like you're intentional about more than just this thing. Like this is a part of who you are, but another part is like, but first of all, we're faithful, and like that's a huge thing to me too, right? Because then, right, and I would say almost it's almost the other way around though. That yeah. first human, and I mean like it, it goes together, right? Yeah. But like you need to have a relationship with someone in order to be able to speak the same language or like teach them what you what you know really to be open to it. So like having that human connection I think is what enables like if my roommate is going to daily mass but I don't care about my roommate. Right. Like, yeah. I'm not going to learn from that example. But if there's a relationship there, if there's a friendship, then you look at the person and you say, hey, he's going or, you know, they're spending time in prayer or this is what they're, what is this thing he's, you know, what is that, whatever, YCP or like, oh, you're doing small groups? Wait, how can I get involved in that? So the human first brings people to the spiritual. How do you guys think of that? Like that, this line in here, I just want to go back to it yeah. for a minute about God not relating to us as individuals, but as uh, relating to us as members of a family united with one another. So super, do you remember Archbishop Burns? I've heard of him. You've heard, he probably taught you or something. He taught me and he preached my first mass. <gasps> Stop. Yeah. Oh, cute. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. One should say. Um, one time I heard him give a talk about evangelization um, and he talked about, and I think this is really cool. And I'm sorry that I've never heard this anywhere else. He talked about evangelization, evangelizing communities, i.e. like there's, it's not a, so much a person who evangelizes, but rather a community of people who evangelize. And he was like, and one of the most powerful forms of evangelizing communities are families. And I yeah. thought that was a mm-hmm. really interesting like perspective that I had just never heard before. And, um, and so I like, that's immediately what I tied it to. Did you tie it to something else in your mind? Um, I I tied it to just our fractured world, how much people are like, um, either want to define God on their own terms Mm. or, uh, maybe I think you're saying this a bit, James too. Like I want to love God, but I don't want to love the per the the annoying person he puts in my life or the Mm. person who, maybe is um, who I struggle to to like or to find God in and how I really have to see the God who has redeemed me is the God who's redeemed that person. And I can't detach my relationship with God from his or her relationship with God. Like the way that I see this, you know, that God relates to his people, not as isolated individuals, but as a people, a family united with one another in deep bonds of love. So like what I see there is that every family has a language. My, my mom's side of the family, they have a way of showing love. Like they have a way of talking that like, if you're an outsider, maybe you pick up on some of these things, but like, like there is a way that we relate with each other and that God doesn't, I mean, he, he does very much like relate to each person individually, but he speaks to us as communities as well. Like he will speak to 
my church in St. Mary's or the way he works there is going to have a different flavor, you know, as mm-hmm. St. Augustine, St. Monica, Amen. like very different flavor. But like that's, he doesn't, he speaks to us in that community environment. And so like there is a power in the the past, you know, I mean, in the community, the church community, you know, the parish community, or even like individual groups of, you know, lay movements or whatever that speaks its own language that the Lord is trying to lead them or guide them, you know, in their own way. And, and that all works together, right? There's no, I, I just think about how some of the church fathers would talk about Pentecost as the opposite of what happened at the Tower of Babel. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like the way God speaks to you know, you talk about parishes or families, like there's no disharmony that he speaks in a different way to St. Mary's, St. Augustine and mm-hmm. Monica, one family and another family. Like it may manifest itself a little differently, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit brings unity out of all of that diversity. Yeah. And I think that's also like just on a practical, you know, pastoral level, like that's why it's so important as a church community to be united and to know what your language is. Like what is the way that the Lord... And I know that like the archdiocese right now is, you know, choosing a couple of these parishes and they're kind of trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what is our, what is our plan? But like, how is the Lord trying to speak in our parish so you can bring other people into that? Like if you're in this church, but you don't know the language, like how are you going to get the message? So, so trying to discover what is our language and how do we bring people into that language to know it? Well, and I mean... That's why we're doing this podcast, right? Because there's you're talking about it on a parish level, but mm-hmm. also on an archdiocesan level, like unleash the gospel. I it's very clear to me this is the language the Holy Spirit has spoken, wants to speak to our whole archdiocese. Mm-hmm. And so part of this podcast is having fun, hanging out with Danielle and her friends. What but <laughs> but uh a bigger, more important reason is for us to like be able to hear and understand what God wants to say uh, at this moment in time for our church. Uh, another point off of marker 3.1, it talks about well-planned small groups. I know you're a part of a well-planned. small group. You're a part of a small group, right? You're asking me? I am. Yeah, I'm part of a group of priests. Uh, we get together. I don't know if we would qualify as well-planned. Dude, that's how <laughs> I felt. I was like, I feel like I have like Can several sets. It? Yeah, like does well-planned friend group include my Facebook group chat with Naomi and Joe? Yes, no. Like I feel like it does. Once in a while, I call Father Paul and ask him if he wants to get tea. Does that count? You know what I mean? Well, I feel like men's small groups are like so radically different from women's small groups. Women, it's like, yeah, seven months from now, we're going to be reading this chapter in this book. And cry. Men, it's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a mix of both. Anyway. Yeah. That's what do you been find a, helpful? That's been a great grace in my life, especially among priests, right? Um, just sharing the joys of priesthood, the challenges and... Oh, there um, are challenges? Um, You know, <laughs> other guys experience challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of challenges. Yeah. I mean, the life of discipleship, wh- however it manifests itself, single, lay, or single, married, consecrated, or a priest, is is going to present challenges. And to be able to kind of be real with people, uh, and I'm really blessed to have brother priests with whom I can do that. I'm blessed to have good friends that I can open up to in that way, and I'm blessed to have um, a great family who uh, you know who can with whom I can be really really vulnerable and real and and know that we're all kind of, we're all seeking the Lord, right? And there's times when, um, 
you experience the sweetness of that and times when that feels bitter and, and it's difficult. And that's why having a small group of people who you meet together in season and out of season, right? When things are going well, when things aren't going well, um, is so key so that uh, you don't get kind of caught up in the tunnel vision of your own challenges. Do, yeah, I do, think Are you that, guys in small groups? Are you, James? I mean, like, kind of. You run one, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so we have a um, progressively getting smaller group um, <laughs> at, at, at our house. Uh, and I, I'd say, like, there, too, it's kind of going back to the point before, like, uh, it took a while for guys to start to really feel comfortable and, and feel like they could share more. Yeah. But so establish kind of those human relationships. And um, yeah, it's a powerful thing when you have those relationships where you can open up. Hey, James, this is um, as we kind of draw to a close, we usually ask our guests if they would like to give a parting word or prayer to the listeners. Is there anything in closing that you'd like the listeners to know? Yeah, just that, uh, and I'm sure everybody's experienced it, you know, in, in their own life and ways, but like you never really know, it doesn't take a whole lot to make a big difference. Yeah. Like, you know, if you wait around for like the perfect moment or the big opportunity, like those are once in a million, you know, but just making a little hello, little outreach towards someone, um, word of kindness, curbing a reaction like that can change lives you know amen amen it was great to catch up with james wilson and hear about the great activities going on at the quad and how he shares his love for christ through the gift of community and once again before we say goodbye if you liked this episode please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. We're like Sabra Hummus Lebanese, you know, not... <laughs> I, I didn't know what that meant, but... I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. If you want to learn more about how to unleash the gospel in your parish, we have an event for you. On Saturday, November 16th, we'll have the second annual Parish Day of Renewal with training on all different areas to unleash the gospel with national and local speakers, ending with Mass with Archbishop Vigneron. Go to the Archdiocese of Detroit Facebook page to get all the details and get your ticket before it sells out.